There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 money line wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome, I'm Mike Nye. And I'm Taryn Merlo from the Hail and Well Met Podcasts. And I'm Alex Etalander from the Ostium Network. And welcome to our T-Cast. While there is tea, there is hope. <sighs> okay, welcome to While There Is Tea, There Is Hope. And this is a special one because we're actually all here, as was my plan to Yay. do with the first episode that never quite happened. So we've got Taryn. Say hi. Hello. And Mike. Hello. And me. So all three of us together here, as I'd originally tended to do with every episode and hasn't quite happened. But it's made it more <laughs> interesting. So what are we drinking today? Well, what, what, what are we drinking? Mike and I, <laughs> <laughs> we're actually in the same room today mm. which has worked out really well yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of yeah hello yeah. mike's camera <laughs> um so i brought in a sample from my trip down to dunsborough which is about a two and a half three hour drive down south perth and we went to a tea shop called the seven seas i've got some photos and all that sort of jazz so i'll, mm-hmm. I'll post those up so we've it looks like them. a really cool place yeah yeah, it was very cool. And the, the owner spent oh, 45 minutes individually packaging oh, wow. uh, 18 samples, so, uh, sort of four or five serves per sample. Um, yeah, spent 45 minutes sam- putting these in together for me. One of them was a sticky chai. So think your normal chai, your ginger base, which is... I think we've talked about before. Yeah, it actually, that was my recommended tea last time. I think so. We, uh, we went into depth, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a base of chai with a local honey. So it's been mixed in there and stored in the honey. So it's quite sweet. Um, and we just were drinking a black. But it's still a dried sort of chai leaf thing, is it? Or, it is, or is yeah. It? So it's still yeah. a dried black tea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Taryn showed it to me in, in like the little baggie, and it sort of looks like um, 
when they say sticky, they're, they're not kidding because, like, the tea is dry, <laughs> but because they put the local honey in it, it's sort of like, um, well, it's like if tea was mixed with, like, a little bit of honey, right? It, it was, mm-hmm. like, literally sticky, yeah. It almost looks clumpy. like a post-brew. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, drinking it black, it would be nice with, with milk, with the warmed milk cooked on the stovetop, as it should be. But uh, black steeped has been quite good. Yeah, it was yeah. very, very nice. Very nice. How about, about you? Yourself? So I am also drinking an Australian tea, the um, Tea to Irish Breakfast. So Ooh, all Aussie Good today. choice. <laughs> And of course, it's good. Yeah, all the way from down under. <laughs> <laughs> Probably from India or somewhere else. But what do you say, Mike? Is it? Isn't it all local? <laughs> I think, well, I don't I, know if it's from I, America, but no idea. I would be upset if it was from America, <laughs> given the length it took to get that tea to you. Yes, <laughs> given uh, pandemic and quarantine and COVID. Yes, the delays yeah. and the and the customs and the. No, it's better. It's better than. Um, uh, on my my side of the family over in Europe, they've been trying to send stuff to each other, and just nothing's getting through to anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's like you know That's... stuff will stuff will come back in two months, and it's a birthday card that never arrived, or late Christmas oh, really? card, or whatever, and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. So I tell them, well, yeah. send it via Australia to me, and I will get it. <laughs> yeah, send it to me, and then I'll send it to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so um, I'm going to start with a little history bit from um, the main book I'm using right now for our tea cast, uh, which is A Thirst for Empire, How Tea Shaped the Modern World by Erica Rappaport. Um, I thought this was an interesting little bit about how we know kind of a lot about the history of tea and the details about tea, mainly because um, a lot of tea's history, it's quite known in part because growers manufacturers and retailers they wrote accounts of the commodities past to shape markets and they continue to do so today so they really kept kind of a detailed record of everything they were doing with whether it was you know the the retailers or other manufacturers or the actual tea pickers too and growers and stuff so it was kind of interesting to to know how much info is collected has been collected Mm. over the centuries for tea and why we know so much about it that is really interesting Mm -hmm. I quite enjoy going down the the rabbit hole of what history is there. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a history major, so unfortunately, my approach to tackling topics is usually to dive pretty deeply into the mm-hmm. histories of them. That's sort of where my head goes to. Um, I feel like we should come up with a t- sort of a because there's the wiki hole, you know, or whatever the, that you fall down. There's got to be something with tea, you know, fall in the tea bush or something. <laughs> <laughs> I get get tossed overboard. Does that work? Yeah. Is that a tea, is that a tea party? Boston tea party joke? <laughs> yes. I was going to ask about that. I, I could go to Wikipedia, obviously, and, and sort of look it up and do, do research. Now, I, I'm not a history major, um, and I struggle with any sort of history, like, you know, when did I get married? What's my anniversary date? Et cetera. <laughs> really Recent basic history. history. But... <laughs> But um, I was going to ask, because you're, you know, obviously American, so you you probably get taught about all that stuff in in school. Well, I'm not American, so I didn't. Oh, well, (laughs) well, you live there. But uh, I know a bit about it, I suppose. I think it was all to do with, well, actually, you'll have to wait to episode 127 of the podcast that we do, where we'll be talking all about, (laughs) I'm sure we will cover it in detail at some point. Uh, But as far as I know, it was all to do with, taxes 
because you might know Americans have problems with taxes <laughs> um, <laughs> and paying them, but they still want everything to run and be there for them and give them everything, but not pay taxes for them. So they don't really know how to pay for them. Um, but I believe it's tied in with, well, you're probably wikiing it now, aren't you, Mike? Yeah, that look. No, I'm not. <laughs> On purpose. I can. <laughs> uh, but I think it's to do with a, a tax that the Brits put on the tea and it kind of right. pushed them over um, plus tied in with the whole wanting to be separate and independent and all that you know mm, um, okay. but it was a, a rebellion against that with the extra tea tax and I think I have come across a bit of that I haven't because we haven't got to the part where we're where I'm in the book right now um, but I've got it's all in my notes somewhere but I think to remember a lot of stuff as tea became more and more popular the, the taxes on the tea and all around the world and how it affected different groups and stuff led to a lot of outcry and rebellion and stuff. So I think that's mainly what the, the Boston Tea Party whole thing was about. Yeah, ultimately that's the crux of it. Not to be confused with the conservative Tea Party that came about, I don't know when it came about, early 2000s, something that's this horrible conservative group that were terrible people and still are if they're around. <laughs> I don't know why they called them tea. Probably because they were rebelling. That's why. <laughs> I'm sure taxes are in there somewhere. Anyway, um, so moving on to our little um, next section of history from the Pete's website that I found that gives a kind of somewhat in-depth detailed history of um, tea. So now we're moving on to popularization in the Far East. Whatever the legend, tracing tea's original roots proves difficult. It is probable that the tea plant originated in regions around southwest China, Tibet, and northern India. Chinese traders may have traveled throughout these regions often and encountered people chewing tea leaves for medicinal purposes. But it was not until the Tang Dynasty, 618 to 907, often referred to as the Classic Age of Tea, did consumption become widespread. A government-imposed tea tax further evidences the beverage's growing popularity, and it was at this time that tea was recognized as China's national drink. During the Tang Dynasty, a Buddhist monk, Lu Yu, 733-804, composed the Cha Ching, or Classic of Tea Treatise. He described types of tea, its uses, as well as the preparation and benefits of drinking it. More importantly, he imbued the writings with a spiritual aesthetic reflected Buddhist, Taoist, and Confucian religious thoughts at the time. These teachings were centered around a traditional tea ceremony which served as a metaphor for expressing the harmony and simplicity that not only ordered, but also streamed throughout the entire universe. The centuries that followed became known as the Romantic Age of Tea, led by the Silm Dynasty, 960-1280. Poetry and artistic references to tea abounded. During this period, Chinese culture significantly influenced and impacted art, politics, and religion in the Far East. So there you have it. Um, I kind of like that this is a whole piece of history of tea. And we think of, you know, the 1800s as the big time of tea. And this is like a thousand years before, more than that. And it's like the big age of tea for China. <laughs> I wonder how tea's changed over the years. Like, have you ever have you ever read about bananas and how basically the bananas we eat today are nothing like the bananas that we're eating even like a hundred years ago? 
I think I might have a lot to do with kind of gene strains and how they were mm. focusing on getting the best size of everything. A lot of that is true for, I think, fruits and vegetables yeah. and stuff. Well, I think it's extremely prevalent with bananas. Like, you know, when you get those candy bananas and they have a very specific taste, it's not really like a banana. Right. Mm-hmm. But apparently back when they those candies were like invented, that that was a that was what the type yeah, taste, plastic right? weird taste yeah. well yeah within reason so i wonder i wonder whether or not tea has been um you know like it, it deliberately evolved like like bread different strains of tea mm-hmm. and you know um you know breeding certain tea plants in order to for you know optimum yield and optimum flavor whether or not uh, you know the flavor has, has changed or the plant has changed over over time well, we know for certain, for certain, we know for certain <laughs> that... It's a German um, podcast, isn't it? <laughs> for certain. Uh, no, we, we definitely know that the Chinese Camellia sinensis um, isn't what is grown in China. It, it, sorry, isn't what is grown in India. India, right. Because uh, that one is the Assam uh, hybrid tea. Mm-hmm. So it's a hybridization of the camellia to grow in the hotter climates. Mm-hmm. So like the black teas that we have in most Western culture, uh, most of your sort of English breakfasts and your Earl Grey's, those sort of things, yeah. they're all based on Indian, um, yeah, Assam-based leaves. Okay. Um, and it's really only, you know, when when you go looking for a Chinese green tea or a doesn't have to be green but a chinese mm-hmm. grown plant yeah. is where you're getting the more the traditional actual, right yeah that oh we'll probably cover i don't think in this episode but in future episodes as i get further with the book um yeah it was definitely a as tea was starting to become known around the world in the 17 to 1800s and so it was really just the tea from china and then because britain wanted to capitalize on it they stole some leaves and basically started growing it in a colony in India, um, up by, I think it's by the Ganges area, sort of thing, north, mm. northeast, um, and then kind of worked on a huge campaign of saying, China tea is bad, Indian tea is the best, and shockingly, <laughs> as they part of their that. ruling of the world, yes, they uh, wanted to promote their own tea and make as much money as they could off of it and all that. Um, on, on that one, Alex, I am... Um... Mm-hmm did make a purchase through Book Depository, which got shipped pretty quickly, despite COVID mm-hmm. and the, the problems there, uh, titled For All the Tea in China by Sarah Rose. Its tagline is Espionage Empire and the Secret Formula for the World's Favourite Drink. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it goes into a history of the the, the 1800s and onwards. Right. Um, so not, not sort of the original histories, but right. the engagement of Western culture into China and what all that meant for the market. So I'll be doing some reading there and hopefully provide some, I don't know, hopefully some more context. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be fun, I think, because it's. I think both our books are covering similar periods. It'll be interesting to see if there's different details we bring to it or we're just going to mm-hmm. be copying each other or what, you know. <laughs> or you'll be saying, no, that's not what happened in my book, it says. <laughs> We've got this. <laughs> um, I've also found, just for some reference points, um, with this whole pandemic going on, there are a lot of online libraries uh, that mm-hmm. have opened up their doors to everybody. Free ones, yeah. Mm. 
Uh, so definitely now is the time to be able to do uh, free research from primary sources. Mm, perfect. Or, or secondary sources, or, but yeah, still. But quoting primaries or whatever, yeah. 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 And you can mention them. Yeah. Just make sure you yeah, take note of what they are and we can mention them here when you do quote them. Um, yes. <laughs> With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Yeah, what I think with the T thing is it's been, I don't think it's probably changed that much necessarily. There's new, probably new and different kinds of tea that's come from China as they've tried different things and doing them different ways. But I think as being, you know, a very traditional society and very much how revered tea was so early on, they've probably kept very much to keeping how specific their tea is done and what, you know, what areas it's coming from and how it's being made and all that stuff. Probably leads a good into a good thing here with um, Taryn explaining the distance between T and Tissane as we need to do on every episode. <laughs> I think just to be clear of what is real well, tea and what isn't. <laughs> I was going to jump in to the different types and, and speaking mm-hmm. to the how it's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, we think of black tea as being the standard sort of yeah, Western... Tea with a capital T, tea. basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but black tea was a thing in China. It wasn't an exclusive right. Western piece. Mm-hmm. And it's all come all down to how it's prepared. So you've you've got white tea which is wilted un, and unoxidized. Yellow which is unwilted, unoxidized but allowed to yellow. So it's left out and yellowed. Green which is unwilted and unoxidized but not yellowed. So that is this at a table? Be... Is there a table for this? I think we had to have this little there is. table. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can share it. So it's like it is. And, and it kind of it goes yeah. through the different types and right. you know, mm-hmm. pieces that you get there. Which um, and and black tea is excuse the pronunciation, but it's Hongcha, mm-hmm. um, which is more known as a red tea in China. Mm. And again, the colouring that we get out of it is red. So fair enough. Right, yeah, it's like coppery, reddish, yeah, orangey. Yeah. Yeah. Black tea in China is a fermented, composted green tea that is actually black, um, pronounced badly haicha, I think. We could probably use Google Translate to get these pronunciations a bit more More accurate. accurate. Yeah, and less offensive, probably. (laughs) We're trying to help people. You're doing your best. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, the, the char part is the tea, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you, all of that is still from the same plant. doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's a, a Sam or a traditional Chinese plant. Um, I think the black is probably the easiest to prepare and transport. Mm-hmm. It's wilted, sometimes crushed. It's fully oxidized, and it's sort of easier to transport around. And, and oxidized course, would be dried out, right? Mm, or, yes, yeah. yeah. Of course, all of that is drastically different to the Tisane, which mm-hmm. is, as we know, uh, <laughs> contains no actual tea. Not real so, tea. Yeah. Not part of that. What was the, the Latin nomenclature? Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Put your stop. laughs> no, yeah, I've forgotten that. <laughs> 
But it's like um, one of the guys at work uh, drinks uh, chamomile tea, which isn't really mm-hmm. tea either. I mean, I guess that'd be a tisane as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is. yeah. So all of the herbals, all of the yeah, yeah. flavoured and all that sort of jazz, if it doesn't have a tea leaf in it, it's not a tea, it's a tisane. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you can have all this kind of tea all over China then, as long as it's using this actual original leaf. From it, Leaf. and they can do it in different ways. Um, and obviously, I'm trying to think of the, the how you get as much of a variety and how it comes out. Obviously, there's this these various preparations of how you do it, which results in the kind of tea it is. But I wonder what further things you can do. Like, obviously, it has an effect on where you grow it in altitude and climate and things like that. Of what sort of flavor you get out of it and things like that. According to one of the teas I picked up in Dunsborough, they advertised on it what the moon cycle was. Mm. Wow. So I assume that has some bearing on it? Well, yeah. I mean, depending on where you're growing it, if you're growing it close to the ocean, with tides Mm. and different things going on, yeah. Mm. And when you you pick it too, I wonder. I mean, I'm trying to equate it a bit with um, wine, because that's the other thing I'm thinking of that's as widespread and... Um, problem is I'm not a wine drinker, so I have no clue really to <laughs> comment. <laughs> well, it's the same as same as coffee beans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, individual mm-hmm. estates growing different types of beans uh, get a very different flavour to it. Yeah, and I know a bit about coffee because from um, my bookstore days, I actually worked learned. Um, we had a coffee place in there, and I actually, as a manager, got trained into it all because I wanted to mm-hmm. know. But also, it was interesting. But also knowing, like, yeah, like the. Um, the African coffee has a more acid flavor to it, sharper flavor, whereas your, um, I think it's the Indonesian and like South American are not as acidic sort of thing. Um, and just it varies with how it is, where it's done and stuff like that, yeah. Mm. But then you also have blends where they combine various areas too to make something new as well. Obviously, there's probably that with applying to tea. And, and I think it does. I haven't done anywhere near enough research to mm. provide that with any real meaning. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it in future episodes then as we delve yeah. deeper and learn more. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so let's give just a couple of favorite teas bars. What are some of your favorite teas? Tara, go first. Okay. Another... Sample not from not from Dunsborough. This one mm-hmm. is from the. Uh, why don't I not remember the name of the company that I bought it from? Oh, from Origin Tea. Mm. Sorry, so Eastern States of Australia. Mm-hmm. It's a, and I did promise myself I'd look up how to pronounce this. So apologies, but it's an orange, pico, picoey. Pico. I've, always said, I've always said Pico, but I don't know. I've heard Pico, yeah. yeah. Pico, there we go. Yeah. That is very nice. I have had that. 100% recommend. Yes. And uh, it's a tea, so it's, right? Not a tisane? Or is it, it is a tea. It's a tea. Okay. <laughs> so it's a, it's a black tea from right. Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. It's graded a OP1. So that is the, my understanding is it's the very tip of the plant as they pick it mm. uh, which gives it the best a very different taste to the rest 
So, um, so the higher the number, the further down the leaf or the plant it is, or something. I believe or, so. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So I need you know to look more the, what the scale is. goes to. No idea. Uh, interesting. No, I, it, definitely a research piece to keep going to. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I even had no idea about that. That's the whole point of this to educate us and the listeners on yeah the complexities of tea. I had no idea. About that. So just the leaf tips. Yeah. Um, wow. So I, I, I steeped it for five minutes in about mm-hmm. 95 degree water, uh, black, no milk or sweetener. And it was, it was subtle. It was sort of almost mm. sweet, um, but it didn't have any of that bitter bite or aftertaste that you get with, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you sort of buy a generic off the shelf kind of tea bag. Yeah. It definitely didn't have that. I need to go. Arti- I think it was like artificial. Yeah, I think if it was artificial or whatever, it doesn't taste quite right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've definitely put that on my list of yeah teas to drink. Black by itself. Um, when I'm in the mood for something a bit, especially having on nicer. its own like that and just pure kind of yeah. And the orange wasn't too strong. It it no <laughs> no. When they say orange, when they say orange. I think they're more referring to the um, color of the box. No. Well, well, it's it doesn't have anything to do with like orange, like citrus orange. Right? Oh, okay. Um, so I'm 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 trying to figure it out at the moment, and basically, What's the color? yeah, I think it's the color. I think it's the color, right? Like the color of the actual tea when you put it in water. Yeah, because I I too was was like, why do they call it orange pico? Yeah, look, here's his Terence phone. Oh, okay. Right. So, um, and I'm having a look, and the Wikipedia um, site basically says, as you as you go up the leaf, it gets more. I don't know, pico, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> orange pico, like Taryn said, is like right up the the tip of the the plant. So, I don't know. Maybe it, it maybe it's orange in color. I'm not sure. Well, I don't want to echo a hole in your explanation here, but oh, very good. Uh, what does pico actually mean? Can you find that out? <laughs> it says... What's the etymology? Yeah, I do not know. I A high-quality black tea made from young leaves. Mm. 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 What is pico? So that's grown on, uh, after only a certain amount of time, presumably, because they're young. You know. yeah, okay, here's, a, here's is, a very quick... It's just a okay. name for tea. A high-quality black tea. Oh, yeah. it's just pico. Made, oh, made, made from made from young leaves, they say. Because I, I definitely, now that I think about it, whenever I, and I, I usually see orange and pico linked together, mm-hmm. whatever it said, and I've always okay, thought so... I'm not going to like that because it's orange. But now I know yeah. I should not do that. But yeah. Next time I'll try it. There's there's other picos. There's pico souchong, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, which mm-hmm. I didn't even realize was a pico. But there you go. Mm. Um, and if... flowery orange pico, fop, for sure. So the orange pico, yeah, it was yeah. In, in the 1600s. Uh, the company mm. that brought teas to Europe, and the best of the black teas were, was reserved for the, you know, the royal family, which which right. we know we've talked about in the past. Mm. When it was introduced to the public, that leaf became known as the orange pico, because it was associated with royalty. So mm. if we remember the country that brought tea in is the Dutch. I was about to say ah, the Dutch. Yeah. I was go. about to say that. Yeah. And I actually remember that up in the book too. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the grading go. system with the term orange pico. So the, the orange tier. just means bloody good tea. Yeah. <laughs> really and not orange flavor at all. <laughs> 
Yeah. Good enough for the Dutch queen. So the tip of the leaf equivalent to the cream of the crop. Mm. <laughs> I think that's why British people like PG tips. Actually, I have no idea whether they like it or not. That's completely unfounded. I just I do like PG tips. <laughs> a good British quality. Tip. I do like PG tips. It's just that's usually Costco over here, so I don't get as much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I never thought oh, of that. Since so PG tips is in tip of the leaf, if that is yeah. true, or they just call it that to be. Yeah, it might just know, be a clever marketing ploy. Yeah, exactly. It says here the term picot, or occasionally orange picot, describes the unopened terminal leaf bud tips in tea flushes. Because they're young, so they're unopened. Yeah. A bud and a leaf, or a bud and two leaves, are used to describe... So if this was like animal meat, it would be horrible, but because it's tea leaves, it's okay. Yeah, this is the veal, <laughs> the veal of tea. Yes. <laughs> Except you can feel good drinking it. I wonder when we're going to get to the um, pate of tea. <laughs> yeah, oh, goodness me. Yeah, that's that's 100% correct what Taryn was saying. It says that's here as well. Yeah, the, the oranges are unrelated to the tea's flavour or colour. It is to do with the Dutch house of Orange Nassau, mm-hmm. now the royal family. There you go. And basically, it was Holland, I think. Portugal was in there too, bringing the cheese back. And then England's like, hey, up, we need to get in on this. <laughs> and charged in sort of thing and then tried to take it all over. <laughs> So did you say yours was OP1, was it, Taryn? Yeah. Yes. You can you can go beyond that. Yeah. Apparently apparently what? there's Negative oh, these, one? Acro- these, <laughs> these acronyms are fantastic. So okay. <laughs> I, I'm gonna run you through this. This is gonna make sure. some good content. So <laughs> so the, it's broken up. The grades are broken up into into whole leaf grades and broken leaf grades. Okay. Mm. So it starts with OP, which is Orange Pico, right? Oh, which is yeah. The main grade. Okay, then there's OP1, which is more delicate than OP. Um, it, slightly different shaped leaves. I'm going to leave out the technical detail because it'll get pretty yeah. boring. Then there's OPA, which is like OP, but hi- uh, higher flavor. Then there's Orange Pico Superior, which is OPS. Flowery Orange Pico, which is FOP. Flowery Orange Pico 1, so FOP 1, which is even better than that. Then there's Golden Flowery Orange Pico, so there's G-FOP. Tippy Golden Flowery Orange Pico, which is T-G-FOP. And I thought these were and just it... going to be a sequential 1, 2, 3, yeah, four, one, two yeah. three. No way. It goes, all the way, it goes all the way up to like Superior Finest Tippy Golden Flowery Orange Pico, which is SFG, SFTG-FOP. There you go. I had no idea. Wow. And then, so there's the no um, there's no OP1 Kenoti then. Oh, is there? <laughs> OP1 Let's have a look. canned oat tea? <laughs> no, that's a whole like marketing it. plan that they haven't explored yet if they need to. Yeah, they've missed that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very disappointed. Wow. There's so many terms. I'm sure, uh, who is it? Kenneth Branagh would be happy to do a photo shoot and slap him on the box. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so apparently every one of those acronyms can also have extra special at the end of it as well. So there you go. Yes, for so short. What, <laughs> yeah. So what we're after, the very the cream of the crop is the SFTG FOP extra special. So that's Give the opposite that to what Taryn had. <laughs> well, it's, it's a few rungs up the spectrum, put it that way. I, don't so know I thought you were all a very fancy, but apparently... 
I, I don't know whether the tip of the leaf. can get that. Yeah. <laughs> My OP1 was, was the best I've ever had, and now I've realized it's so much better. It's like, um, <laughs> what is it? It's a chocolate and cheese, I think, in Switzerland, where what they send to the rest of the world is like level three and below or whatever, but the top few tiers mm. only stays in the country. So if you, if you actually it's, want the best of them, yeah. you actually have to go there to enjoy it. That's like Australian beer. You know, we send mm. all of our shitty beer like Foster's to the other countries and we keep all the good stuff. <laughs> um, Mike, let's have a favorite tea from you. Okay, so I'm going to talk about an interesting tea um, mm-hmm. that I um, initially tried when I was a lot younger because my mother um, bought it because I, when I was a kid, I thought it had a funny name. And <laughs> I wasn't being racist. I was just extremely young. So mm-hmm. the tea in question is called Lapsang Souchong, mm-hmm. and it is a it, Chinese yeah. tea. And what they do with it is they smoke it. Uh, mm. They smoke it over, over pine chips usually. Um, so it, it has a very smoky flavor. Now, if you like your, your peated whiskies, uh, and I, mm. I very much do, I have a collection of them just over here oh. on my whiskey table. Wow. Um, this is yeah. at work. <laughs> yeah, this is at work. Well, you gotta, you gotta, do you have a whiskey, do you have a whiskey table at home too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have a shelf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. I really need to come over. <laughs> Yeah, you do. Well, we're Australians. We're all we're all pissheads here. Anyway. Um, so anyway, because you're all lapsing... former criminals, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You got to do something to pass the time. We're so far away from everything. Yeah. Um, the the flavour of the tea is not uh, dissimilar to a peated whiskey. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe if you if you feel like you want that flavour, but you don't necessarily want to have a whiskey at ten in the morning. Uh, one of these teas might be a good go. Which you so, obviously do, though, since you've got a... <laughs> well, it's usually like, <laughs> you know, if we have, if we have you know, customers in for meetings right. and it's mm-hmm. the afternoon, I think it's afternoon, polite yeah. to offer them a beer. Or After a, they sign know, the contract, then... Or a gin and tonic. No, this yeah. is before. That's how you get them. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No. Can we, can no, we cut that? that? Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's <laughs> a trade <laughs> trademark move. You can't share that. Special secret. <laughs> No, no, we're just friendly. That's all. There's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing else to it. Although, yeah. sadly, we're finding these days people come to the office and we're not allowed to even offer them coffee mm-hmm. uh, due to pro, you know, probity and and being transparent and all that sort of thing, which which sucks. But anyway, because I like to have a drink with my my colleagues and co-workers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, you could probably offer a tea, but uh, yeah, mm, this is true. That reminds me of a mail carrier. He's retired now. Um, mm. Who would? I mean, the stories I hear from the old days. And he oh, was yeah, one of his customers on the start of his route. Was um, would do shots of vodka with him in the morning. Wow. One of was like they did like oh one more come on one more and he did like two or three shots of vodka then start and I'm like what <laughs> yeah yeah anyway my my barber shop does that um, mm. it's quite good I recommend it. <laughs> I don't want to get um, in trouble, so I don't know what so it's, do you know how it's how the tea is actually prepared? Like you were saying that, but is that actually when it's the dried leaves are smoked or how they Yeah, it says it says here, um 
They don't say when it's smoked. They say no. it's distinct from other types of tea as the leaves are traditionally smoke dried over pine wood fires. So smoke dried, yeah. I guess. Um, oh, so while they're still part of being picked or whatever, and then when they're part of the drying. That's, yeah, because it's all these different mm. techniques which are kind of fascinating to see how they come out with it. So how did you have the tea? Just plain or...? Just black. Um, mm-hmm. The smoky flavor doesn't really go well with milk. I've tried it with milk, and it's better. It's better just black, and um, maybe diluted just a little bit, um, or not steeped for as long as I steeped it for, because the flavor is in, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, something I just learned when we were talking about Terence tea and going through the pico stuff is the names of the leaves as you go back from the bud. So you have the flowery orange pico, mm-hmm. which is right at the bud, orange pico, pico. Pico Sushong and Sushong, right? So Sushong refers to the fifth fifth leaf back from the bud, which mm. I didn't know until about five wow. minutes ago. So, so this there is you go. cool. It's all great stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm really it's just cheese, but yes, it's yeah. so much more. It's much better than bloody wine. That's just a grape you pick and squash in a barrel. <laughs> so technically, right, it shouldn't be as expensive as like orange Pico, which is like you know, up right. closer to the bud, right? Because this is just the, you know, I, I don't want to say the drag leaves, but it, yeah. it says here it's it, it it was created as a way to create a marketable product from the less desirable leaves. So there you go. So and I wonder what makes them less desirable. But it tastes pretty good to me, but what do I know? I'm just yeah. a, a pleb. I mean, I wonder if, too, if, it's lower, if, because it's, if it's lower down, maybe there's more of it, so that's the abundant leaf, whereas the higher yes. one, especially being younger, is the more... In, you know, in demand. Yeah, yeah, for Yeah, sure. I wonder what the, just the straight taste difference is if, if you got a branch yeah. and tasted the tip versus... You make your you three kinds, your, your black, your yellow, or something well, like that, and then do I, it with each I'll different leaf. i tell you what, this is an experiment that we could 100% do. Like, if mm. we buy, because we'd only be up for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven types of tea, right? Which So it's not going to be super expensive. It's probably going to be about 100 bucks each, right? So there's flowery orange pico, which is right at the top. Orange pico, pico, pico souchong, souchong, kong, kongo, I'm butchering these pronunciations, and bohia, bohay. So anyway, they're, they're the grades of leaf. So we could buy teas made up of all of those leaves and try it out. Maybe after we get the first sponsor. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> T2? T2? Yeah, we need to get in touch with them. Get in touch. Yeah. I have been um looking at sourcing a camellia sinensis to um plant. To grow, yeah. Mm. Mm. Do you reckon it would grow in our Well climate? I'd be it'd be better growing a an Assam. Mm. Yeah. Uh the the hybrid. But where I'm thinking of putting it, it does get a lot of shade and, and it would be getting a lot of water. Um Problem is trying to get them into WA. We have some pretty strict import right. laws around plants. Yeah, we do. Um, so right. I'm trying. So you've got the Chinese tea plant, which is that specific one, and then the Assam is that as a hybrid. So obviously it's part of that, and then something totally new. Yes. Um, what if they? What if they bred it with? I think they used the stock of another camellia plant. Mm. Um. Now, was that something that was native to India, or...? I, I'm not sure if it was a native mm-hmm. to India plant or if it was just a more hardy, uh, yeah, heat-resistant mm. for, for camellia. For grown in a different area, right. Yeah, that then yeah, grown and grafted the Chinese camellia on top to it. Mm. Um, I need to look into it. 
Yeah. Have, I mean, camellias are pretty common over here. Like, we have them as a normal plant. Um, yeah, I've got one by the front door. Yeah, I've, I've got them in my garden as well. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they're not good. <laughs> oh. I did that level of research. <laughs> they are not a substitute for tea. Okay. <laughs> okay, Mike, what are your tidbits? Well, um, well, on the plant thing as well, um, mm. there's chrysanthemum tea. My my mother has a ton of chrysanthemums, so we could we could definitely try that um, at yeah. some point. Anyway, yeah. So I was going to say that back onto the lapsang Sushan thing. It was it was drunk by Winston Churchill. Uh, they say famously, although I didn't know this. So I mean, did he do everything famously? He just didn't know at the time. Well, he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and Taron especially is going to like this one. When told that his Captain Picard character from Star Trek The Next Generation would drink a lot of tea, Sir Patrick Stewart himself originally suggested he drink Lapsang Souchong, but the producers were afraid the audience would know what it was, so it was changed yep. to Earl Grey. So he really didn't like well, Earl Grey at all. <laughs> there you go. No, we can't use this foreign tea. Yeah, we've got to so he would say, what? Well, more American. Tea, Lapsang Souchong, hot. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite the go. same ring to it. <laughs> no, it doesn't, does it? I'm, I'm it sure it would have if we had gone with it. But yeah, seriously, we, yeah, we all would have. I mean, think of the sales, the popularity, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. That's interesting. Would have saved the studio money buying the Sushan instead of the Earl Grey. Given what? that it's, you know, the more well, I, I'm assuming so because it's like so far down the away from oh, the right. tip of the plant, right? But. You don't, yeah, he wasn't really know. drinking Earl Grey tea. No. <laughs> it was an empty cup or something. Coloured water, yeah. yeah. Usually it's watered-down um, Coke, I think. Have you, have you actually... ever watched um, the TV show, Alex, Trailer Park Boys? No, but I know of it. Well, some yeah, it's, it's heard of it. I don't know whether it's famous, probably more infamous, but one of the characters on there, um, Jim Leahy, who who was the park uh, supervisor, played by a guy, um, uh, John Dunshaw, who sadly has passed away. But I, I watched um, him do some interviews about the behind the scenes, and he is famously um, uh, a teetotaler, never drinks alcohol, yet his character oh. is, a, is a complete drunk. And they asked, you know, what are you drinking? And he said, I, I just fill the bottles up with tea. It's the same color. Um, I like <laughs> to drink it. So there you go. So teetotaler does have a link with tea, and it's in the book, which we'll get to in some future episode when I reach those other notes. But yeah, that has a link. Tea. Oh, cool. There you go. <laughs> I don't really have any tea to recommend because I've always got boring tea. So we're going to move on to. So it seems like you guys prefer just plain tea. You don't do milk or sugar really or anything. That true? Depends what I'm drinking. I mm. I will have milk if I'm having um, like a, a breakfast tea, like a English breakfast, Irish breakfast, Sydney breakfast, insert breakfast here. Um, and I have the French Earl Grey with a little bit of milk. Um, so it depends on the tea. Like if I'm having a green tea, obviously I won't have milk with it. If I was having the lapsing sushi and I wouldn't have milk with it. Um, I don't know. I guess it's a personal preference thing. Yeah, I've never really... I guess growing up, it was always with milk and sugar because that's yeah. that's what your parents made you. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, sure. yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. So, there's, um, there's, so milk and sugar, that milk is just a big of a thing over in Australia then, as it is in England. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, given that most of uh, quite a lot of Australians can trace their origin back to yeah, criminals from the UK, yeah, <laughs> it's it's tradition to yeah to do the milk and sugar. But 
No, I think more recent drinking has definitely had me going black. Uh, you know, no milk, no sugars, no no sweeteners. I do mm-hmm. add a bit of honey to the chai, and I do mm. I do add milk to a chai typically. But even Earl Grey, you know, I know Mike, you, you said you had a bit of grow, a bit of a bit of milk to it. Yeah. But um, no, but, I tend to. But only that it. specific one. I find other Earl Grey doesn't suit milk. I think that there's mm. just something about that one. It pairs well with milk. I'm sure mm. there's which one's somebody, that? Uh, the French Earl Grey, um, the mm-hmm. T2 one. The T2 one. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know. It's super floral and like without it the is, milk, yeah. it's almost it's almost too much. Um, but with the milk, it just softens those those flavors that I find mm-hmm. overpowering. Dulls them a little bit. Nice, yeah. Nice mm-hmm. combination. The other thing I find. Is um, depending on where you are, it's sometimes hard to get milk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like we're in the office today, and there's there's no milk here, so mm. we're we're going black. <laughs> <laughs> but most of my tisane drinking, you, you don't. Uh, right. Yeah, no, you don't. I, mean, add you, I remember you it. said earlier that you might have got to the tisane stuff, especially when because it was trying to help you to sleep and stuff like that too, mm. which was more of a recent thing. But before that, you were still doing sticking to mainly no milk or sugar for the most part, right? Yeah, may- maybe a little bit of milk. I definitely haven't added sugar since a young child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I find um, I used to always add it because, like, my grandmother and, and my father would would always make it with sugar in for us when we were kids. Like, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Aaron. and I've noticed yeah. as well now when my daughter um, stays over at mum dad's house, dad makes her a cup of tea and puts sugar in, even though I say like, please don't put sugar in it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so but once I started drinking it without sugar, I used to have sugar in everything, like coffee. Yeah, um, mm. and then I remember somebody um, back when coffee was starting to get popular here um somebody said oh you don't you know don't put sugar in coffee like you, you know try try a decent quality coffee without sugar and see if you like it and um and i did and ever since then i, I haven't put put it in anything that's true because we were ever we're doing uh for that coffee training thing i was talking about earlier and getting mm. actually trying different blends to see how different they were it was just a we didn't do anything with it you had a little sample cup and tried each yeah. one and you just and you actually put it on the I think the middle part of your tongue, mm. and then just kind of sit yeah. there to try to pick yeah. up the notes and stuff. I mean, on on adding milk to teas that probably shouldn't, uh, <laughs> and a little bit more anecdotal and story. You put related. a ton of milk in your chamomile, don't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have to my very first cup. And it went down the drain pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Peppermint tea. Mm. So interesting. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. Oh, I like peppermint I tea. I can't do it, man. You don't like it? Mm. Don't. Do I it. think again, that's like definitely one of those where it needs to be good because if it has that mm. kind of artificial bitter taste at the end or whatever, it can just ruin it. I think. Yeah. I'm funny with peppermint and stuff like mint. Yeah. Like I like Bernadette is all about you know my wife Bernadette. She's all about um like mint chocolate and mint ice cream and mm-hmm. I'm just like for me I'm just like I it just tastes like toothpaste. I don't know what it is. Like you know how some people can't have um uh you would call it cilantro like coriander right? Yeah. Because they say oh it tastes like metal or it tastes like soap. I don't know. I must have something like that but with mint because I. It it's doesn't possible, yeah. me at all. Yeah, I I don't know what it is. Interesting. I, yet I yeah, I do have, have some associations. It depends on how strong it is, I think. But I do have some association with 
with a bean tea, and then also my mother always had chewing gum that was always mint. And I think yeah. I still see a little bit being in the car and being a little bit car sick and smelling mint chewing yeah, gum. Yeah. But um, I do like the smell of, I mean, I don't really have peppermint tea, if at all, but my wife does, and I do like the smell of it. Mm. And if I but find sim- a bush somewhere, I'll grab some, you know, just to, like I enjoy the fresh yeah. smell of it. Like if when the lawnmower has gone off nearby and cut it all down, it's like wonderful in the air. <laughs> yeah. You get the smell to it. And it's usually with um, eucalyptus as a kind of blend for, you know, yeah, soothing scent and stuff and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what we found we were using it for. When um, when Amy, my wife, um, well, you know, it, so it, it's So just make calming. it clear, everyone, yep. we're all married, so we're taken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've mainly clarified because people who don't know us might be listening going like, who, who's this Bernadette woman? They're, they're introducing a new character very late in the story. <laughs> yeah, so. A celebrity soon to be back later. Maybe she'll be on the show talking about tea at some point. Yeah, Maybe she loves tea. She'd be right about that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Tara. No, when, um, yeah, it's a good calming tea for sort of an upset stomach um, and can help yeah. with mm-hmm. heartburn or other things like that. So I've got three kids now. Um, with each of them, Amy had this chronic heartburn. Oh, right. And so when she was pregnant, your options for heartburn medication are pretty limited. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got three and none of them really work very well. So trial and error... We found one of the few things that would actually help was a hot cup of peppermint, peppermint tea. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've got memories of Bernadette doing exactly the same thing when yeah. she was pregnant as well. Yeah, she'd feel like she's having a, a heart attack, you know, that level of sort of thing. And a quick cup, cup of peppermint sane. A few minutes later, it had mm-hmm. died down. Oh, it's meant to be calming as well as helping you yeah. digestively too. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I, I'd probably class that as a favourite tea, less for myself and more for the effects it had on my wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also it's a fun thing, you, you smelled a lot, so you got kind of used to it and appreciated it in that way too. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, see, this is one thing where I wondered if they've ever, like, joined up a mint to say with black tea or something and stuck it together and see what that would make, you know, or whatever, how that would come out, you know, as a tea. And things I like think that. tea do... Do that. Probably and I think they I mix everything some. else. <laughs> See, because I don't really drink it, I didn't even think to send you some, Alex. But I, sh- I should have. Um... I'm not that huge on peppermint tea, so. I mean, this is the. I mean, this is also why we're doing this too, is because it's me to. It's helping me broaden my tea oh, yeah, perspective. Too. Yeah. We did get some tea and uh, sorry, peppermint and lavender tea from the uh, lavender farm down in Margaret River. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice big box. For Amy, um, she's tried it. It's quite nice. The lavender's sort of subtle, but yeah, it's I good. I've never tried that. I know um, Earl Grey and lavender gets paired a lot in different things. I've never really Ooh, tried it that much. Yeah, oh, and even like Earl Grey lavender ice cream, I think is one thing I've seen somewhere too. Oh, yeah. that sounds alright. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could go some of that. Because <laughs> they're both kind of perfumey, but they work well together. So now we're going to get into the. Um, a little more from the book about uh, our reflection period where it's a little bit where we're trying to start where um, it reflects on the time in the history of tea of what was going on and allows us to kind of look back on it and see why it kind of is the way it is and us looking 
from the future where things are a lot better, why things were the way they were and kind of critiquing it in some ways. Um, so from the book here, A.E. Duchesne, who was a publicist for promoting tea, um, contended that the energy and business capacity of our British planters in India, not Chinese farmers, had transformed the luxury of the rich into the everyday drink of the poor. Duchesne thus argued that British imperialism enabled mass consumption and spread civilization. In truth, Chinese farmers and international merchant community had cultivated the Chinese tea the Victorians so appreciated. And it was not until very late in the 19th century that most Britons drank or even knew about the empire's tea. In Duchesne's interpretation, tea justified imperialism. Critics of empire have made the same point and noted how, instead of being a diplomat easing relationships between people and nations, tea was a thief or pirate, appropriating Eastern treasures for the benefit of the West. Oh, that was a bit like that, that, though your book, was that Taryn? Yeah. <laughs> your subheading. Yeah, yeah, so it's one of those things where we have all this wonderful tea, but at the cost and suffering of so many others and so much so many cultures and i like to say oh but we don't have that now but we still have the, the same thing going on even in 2020 yeah um and obviously you know saying that it made imperialism worth it can never be true i feel <laughs> um but you also look at how would it be different then if it hadn't had imperialism as a running machine to spread it all over, you know, would tea be as widespread? Would we have more just Chinese tea possibly? Or would it be more just localized to Asia when people wouldn't be drinking? Because coffee was the big drink before tea that everyone was drinking. So maybe mm -hmm. coffee would still be the number one and not many people would be drinking tea. Well, I don't know. I think it's, just to the point on coffee, it, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this and it, it was just my upbringing, but coffee didn't really seem to be a popular drink in Australia when I was a kid. Mm. I think it's only in the last few, maybe decade, yep. where where coffee has really become trendy. You know, you get... Um, like like when I was a kid, if you went to somebody's house for a coffee, you were getting Nescafe Instant, like Blend Forty Three, right? And and at a restaurant, um, or or a that's a definite saying. Yeah, like if you if you if you ordered a coffee, it was like, do you want black or white? That was it. Um, you know, if if you yeah, when I was a kid, if you went to a restaurant and said, oh, can I have a you know, uh, uh, long macchiato, they'd look at you like, what, what? Like, they, they would have <laughs> yeah. no idea what you're talking about, mm -hmm. right? So um, it's only like in the past maybe decade or so where there's been a, a real, um, you know, um, what do you call it? Like a, a surge of coffee popularity yeah. and, and, this, and coffee shops opening up that know and serve um, very different types of coffee, yeah. single origin coffee and, and all that sort of stuff. So I always feel like tea has always been popular here, maybe, maybe because it, it was a, a, a British thing. I'm. I'm not sure. Mm. Like we've got Billy T, which is from you know first first settlers type type thing. But there's no like Billy Coffee or anything like that. So it's always been. Um, it's always been. And again, good. because of location, hard to get to it all. That I do know with my reading in, I've done some Napoleonic era historical fiction reading and stuff like that. Where oh. on the on the, that was like you know the um, uh, what's his name Patrick O'Brien the Jack Aubrey series, Master and Commander, and all those ones, mm -hmm. um, all fun stuff. But um, 
there it was you know you had your grog but you also had coffee like the captain always had coffee all the time it wasn't really yeah. tea coffee was an easy thing to transport and stuff like that um and i think again because of the time period and stuff tea came mm-hmm. later so 1700s going to the 1800s it was just coffee everywhere which i do cover a bit in the book too seen the book um but it wasn't until later and again with the British imperialism of growing the tea in China, in um, India and then spreading it everywhere that made it a big thing, you know. Uh, um, Indian teas didn't really make it in Britain till the 1880s, which was, and they said actually it was 50 years after they'd actually started growing it in India, in India to try to get it to be anything comparable to the Chinese tea. Before that, it was all coffee. That's that's um, really interesting. I don't really feel like I'm intelligent enough to make interesting conversation mm-hmm. based on that. But I'm just I pulling from different things that I've in my yeah. reading and stuff like that that I've come across <laughs> and putting it all together. Yeah, <laughs> it's the history major me and me too. Yeah, history mine. I've always been fascinated by all that stuff. Do you have any other teas you want to recommend? A particular one for the episode, or anything, or are you all wrecked out? I, I reckon you... people should try Lapsang Sushon mm-hmm. just by a little bit in case you don't like it. Just by just how long did you steep it for? Or how long uh, should you steep it? Oh, I, I can't remember, but I, I do remember it being extremely strong. Like, I haven't yeah. had any for mm. maybe about a year or so. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to dig some up. I thought I had some. And when I was sending you that care package, I thought, oh, I find this really interesting. I, like, tore the tore the cupboard to shreds, but I could not find it. So I I either drank it all or burned it out, um, got rid of it when she cleaned the, uh, cleaned the cupboard out. But, yeah, so... Um, Probably not as long as as I did. Maybe maybe steep it for a little bit. Take take the if you've got. Let's have some concrete numbers here. What couple minutes? All right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy some, and I would I will have it ready for the next time we record, and we can. um, I'll I'll give you the exact details. Practical experiment. Yes. Do a two minute, a five minute, and a twenty five minute. Oh, twenty five minutes. (laughs) And and video when you try each one. Like, okay. You'll need a spoon if you like yogurt or something. Mm. <laughs> That's how I like my tea, chewy. Taryn, do you have another, another um, Yeah. Yeah, I'll throw I'm another sure recommendation in. It's uh, by a company called Tea Leaves. Not technically wow, a tea. It is a tea. brilliant name. What do they sell? Oh. <laughs> uh, coffee. coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and beer, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, they could almost make beer with the ingredients in this one. <laughs> it's um, it's called the Sandman. Oh. So it's a tisane by Tea Leaves, which is in the Dandenong Ranges in Victoria, uh, COVID Central. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> Only right now. <laughs> uh, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> it's a sleep aid tisane, and it's got a mixture of chamomile, cornflower blossom, hops... Lemongrass, passion flower, rose petals, and spearmint leaves. Mm. Uh, nice blend. Helps quell a bit of a queasy tummy. Can, um, you, can you really taste the hops in it? No, not really. Okay. No, thank, thankfully, yeah. otherwise I'd just be, be sitting so there craving bitter. a beer instead. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way to spend sort of an hour or so before bedtime winding down. Um, right. I find, though, with the mix of ingredients, because you get sort of different... Yeah, it sounds like a lot. Like each time, however you do it and stuff, yeah, you get a different. Yeah, you've got to make sure you get an even spread. Yeah, yeah, it it does tend to get a bit minty if you don't. Now, is this? um, um, I don't don't want to assume. Is this loose leaf too, or is this in a tea bag? It is a loose leaf. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, my only negative is is I tend to make a pot that's around four to five hundred mil, about half a litre. Too much for one sitting. Yeah, well, Not I mean, I drink it all. <laughs> yeah. But it means around the 2 a.m. mark, I find... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my it's problem. That that's sort the, of should I, shouldn't I? That's the, the problem with having tea, as I do at night, depending on how much I yeah. have. I have various size mugs, depending on what time I want to wake up to have to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And on the weekend, it's like, screw it, I'm drinking it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> on a work night. I'll just wake up. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, Sandman to Sane, very nice. Very Sandman pleasant. or and Sandman? Sandman, sorry. Sandman, to put you to sleep. Yeah. Hmm. You can do it while reading the graphic novel. Exactly. <laughs> or listening to the podcast. My one I'm recommending is the Shan Valley Green Tea, which was the one that was originally when we traced it from... Um, is that the Myanmar one? Yeah, the Myanmar one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That you sent me. That was the freshly picked from where it was grown and stuff. And then we were doing our researches to see because I enjoyed that tea so much, and I only had a limited supply. It's pretty good. I've got. I keep forgetting to bring some in, Taryn. I have some for you um, when I div- divvied it oh, up. Okay. Um, I got a. And, I got uh, a bag. Alex got a bag, and yeah. So we did re- research and looked all around, and then we're able to. You started finding some places that did it. And every time I looked them up, I found that they had a distributor in America for some reason. So yeah. <laughs> I was able to get this from, it came all the way from New Jersey. And what I really like is that the um, the leaves are like almost like sticks. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's really kind of thick and like, like it looks like a handful of twigs sort of thing you throw right there, which I think makes it a little different than your usual, um, like your loose leaf or gray where you've got more defined leaves or even like the, um, I was noticing with the Irish breakfast and the, English breakfast too. They're almost like like crumbs or a grain to it compared mm. to like this one, which is a much bigger leaf. Um, it's so really has pretty. It been, mm-hmm. Has it been shredded at all, or is it just the whole leaves? Um, well, it's not. I don't know. But I mean, they're pretty small. I don't know okay. what size the leaf is. Maybe it's just the tips. I don't know if it tells me what level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was. I mean, yes. And it was. Like, this one was really nice. Um, still, wasn't quite as perfect as the original the og from myanmar that you gave me um but it was still very nice very light again i mean a green tea I wouldn't necessarily add anything to it but it was just mm. great to just steep it in um for three even 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 when i did it a little strong it still wasn't um that bitter that you might get sometimes when you do a tea that's not as good that too, too strong and it gets really bitter from it this still tastes really good and then one day i even did it to um in the steeped it in the T2, whatever steeper thingy that you said, Mike, mm. originally for me, the tea maker, uh, the tea maker, yeah. Um, yeah, and then just dumped it in over a glass of ice, so it turned into iced green tea right away, and that was delicious Ooh. too. Oh, that yeah. would have been good, did very I, easy did to do, you? and it's just ready. Did I tell you I found the original bag that that green tea came in? Did yeah. I send you that? Yeah, um, oh, that's cool. So I the thing is, I can't translate it, but I yeah. wonder if maybe. <laughs> Google Translate can, and then we can find out the source. Or you can but, call. But yeah, that the tea is grown on that mountain behind the logo, mm. um, according to my my brother who lives or lived over there before COVID happened. So, um, yeah, cool. but apparently um, it was grown in a in a 
pretty uh, an area that used to be used for growing drugs, and the community is trying to get themselves out of. Um, yeah, well, that's what we know, were seeing when we were kind of yeah. looking up different places where we could get that tea over here, and we yeah. saw. I think I don't think this one was. You found one that was um, former American military who'd been serving. Actually, there'd been people who who'd mm. like fought in different or worked in different areas around the world where there'd been oppressed people and stuff like that. And so their whole goal in starting this tea company which um, I'll mention the, I put in the show notes for this episode, um, had been to help these, you know, communities that had suffered yeah, and now right. could come back and grow and do well with this, these teas, yeah. Mm. Um, this was you a similar know, thing teas. too where they, there you go. Nice. <laughs> Good pun, we've got to have a pun. <laughs> no, we've got to keep the puns going. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't, this might still be called this episode where we can get it to, to start running. We're just going to be, um, where is it? All quiet on the Western tea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We're talking about the influence of tea around the world. And stuff. Yeah. So that was my recommendation, which was delicious. Uh, I'm going to end with a little bit I learned on the BBC Inside Science podcast yesterday when I listened to it. Um, they were doing a whole thing. There's a whole citizen science project they were doing on composting. Um, and they've actually had a whole bunch, thousands of people in England doing it to see stuff where it says, oh, it's biodegradable. Just throw it in there, no compost, and you'll be fine, um, if it actually does it or not. So they've been doing it now since February, and they started looking at all the results and stuff. And shockingly, most of the stuff doesn't actually biodegrade. You actually have to – it's not it's not home biodegradable. It has to be an industrial biodegrading yeah, type of thing. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting in there was a little bit where, where it was actually one of the, I think it was the producer who was going through her compost and she found a tea bag and they had an expert on here who does learns about that stuff. But it, and they were talking about tea bags and he you know, said, Oh, you would have thought tea bags would rot away pretty quick, you know, it's just paper and leaves and stuff. And the guy started explaining, Well, yes and no, because originally tea bags were made with paper and you would have got that. But then, um, when everyone was squashing the tea bag against the side of the mug, as you do to it's squash split. the tea out of it, it would break the bag and that would lead mm. to loss in sales and people switching it. So then they started putting a little kind of plastic in the tea bag oh, to make God, it hold really? stronger. And that's why the tea bag is still there 26 mm. weeks later. Um, but now they're professing that they're doing a biodegradable version or whatever, which they're going to test out and stuff. But I thought that was a nice little like, anecdote about yep. tea bags that I never really yeah. known about and just heard read. Drink, drink loose leaf tea, people. <laughs> well, it costs more. Wow. <laughs> I've seen some that um, that are home biodegradable. That, yeah. Yeah, they're specifically mm -hmm. put on the packaging outside for that reason. But, but yeah. I did get with my uh, – I should have – I don't think they're downstairs um, – my tea subscription from Simple Loose Leaf Teas, um, with each one, because you get four little samples, um, and then they send these little, like, mesh bags with them that are like, I don't I remember, I remember they, they did tell me what they were made of and stuff, but they're like a little tea bag you would use them for, but they're a little more earth-friendly, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I never really use them, because I use a sieve or, or whatever, a strainer and stuff, mm. so I wouldn't use them, so then... <laughs> I've got a um, yeah. I've got a quote from my book. It's actually one of the recommendations, you know, mm -hmm. the newspapers and that too. I haven't read the book, so I can't really comment on it and its 
historical accuracy. But this quote and recommendation is from the Daily Mail. Mm. And it... I'm going to reserve full judgment until I've read the book. <laughs> but well, presumably it's a, here it's it a good quote since it's on the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of... Mm. So, it reads, This book reveals our cuppa wouldn't exist if it wasn't for an amazing Victorian, armed only with a rusty pistol and a pigtail, who stole the secret of tea from under the nose of China's ruthless warlords. Yeah. Now, in the words of Wikipedia, I'm going to say a citation needed. <laughs> yeah. So that is from the Daily Mail. Yeah. As per the, the, the jacket book back page of the book For All the Tea in China by Sarah Rose. So as I said, I, I'm, I know this book focuses on that time period of yeah yeah the the taking of the uh, tea plant from China into India, but uh, I'm sensing that this book might have a particular slant. Yeah, that'd be. I mean, unless that's just the Daily Mail being the Daily Mail, but could um, well be. <laughs> it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, because again, I that was covered in here in this bit, and it was very much a this. I mean, thief is in there used commonly, and you know, intentionally stole from China. To try to yeah. start, you know, to start it in India and make money off of it. So it yeah, think, wasn't like they stole it and then a yeah. positive version of Robert mm. Fortune. Yeah, there's a few other quotes, sort of uh, calling him a swashbuckling pirate. Um, when did the book come out? A, a 2000 and was it nine? Hang on, let me just get the first published dates. Yeah, 2009. So we're not talking about a, a mid 90s book. Yeah, it should be somewhat still, more enlightened. Yeah, it should be. So I, uh, I'm interested to see the take they put on this. Yeah, it may not be to your taste. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, dear. Okay. Any last things for the episode? Or we? I think we're ready to call it. Yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> Mike, any leafy words of wisdom? No. <laughs> Thank you for listening to While There Is Tea, There Is Hope. This episode featured myself, Taryn Merlo, Alex C. Delanda, and Mike Nye. It was produced by Taryn Merlo. Details of the music featured in this episode can be found in the show notes. And you can find out more about the show at our new website, www.t-cast.com. Head over there for episodes transcripts and a few pictures our reviews and recommendations are coming along and they'll be up there soon too we hope you can join us for our next episode thanks for listening and continue to have a terrific time <laughs>